Okay, everybody, welcome to Iron Radio. Going to give an announcement here. <clears throat> so basically, this is going to be the start of Iron Radio version 2.0, maybe Iron Radio pl- Unplugged, whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> We've got three episodes. Sorry, guys, they haven't been out. We've just been having some technical difficulties of getting this stuff up with the new site and everything. But after these three episodes, just going to give an update. We're going to go... Unplugged, I guess it will. Unedited, just roll with it and go at you each day, um, which means numerous things. It'll be a little, little easier on us. No editing, um, maybe a little more enjoyable for you guys. Uh, we will definitely be like losing any of the almost PG ratings we've had, so it's just going to be whatever was said is what you get, and uh, we're going to roll with that. Um, as you know. Lonnie has had to largely step away for a bit. We're looking forward to having him back on as much as we can in the future. But in the time being, uh, like I said, this is version 2.0. It'll be myself, Phil Stevens, uh, Dr. Mike T. Nelson, and Darrell Barber is joining us as well as a third co-host. So we're going to get this one up soon. I'm going to work on the other two. And then we're going to roll at you each week, like we always have for the last over 10 years. But I just want to give you an update, and that's kind of how we're going to roll. There's going to be no commercial breaks anymore, no none of that. We're just going to roll with what we got and come at you. And uh, if you ever have any questions or things like that, please, please never, uh, n- never don't send those. The, the more questions we got, the better. So I hope you guys enjoy the new format. I think here really soon. Also, we're going to go ahead and go to video, uncut video. Uh, and roll that at you. So we got that on YouTube and everything else. So um, let us know what you think. And on with the show. Okay, everybody, here we are again at Iron Radio. This is episode whatever the hell it is, 600 and something or other. I don't remember, 460, I don't know. But we're here again. This is Phil Stevens. I'm strength coach, powerlifter, Highland Games athlete. I run Strength Guild in Topeka, Kansas, and I'm nine weeks out from my meet. So... Nice. As uh, Dr. Mike T. Nelson, associate professor at the Kerrigan Institute, uh, teaching again for Rocky Mountain University this fall, creator of the Flex Diet Certification and Physiologic Flexibility Certification, which opens again this month. Ooh. Yeah. Jarrell, give us a bit about yourself. Cool. I'm uh, Coach Jarrell. I'm, I run strength guild lifting out of uh, late the Kansas, kind of the Kansas City, Kansas City area. Um, I've kind of been a jack of all trades, so to speak. I've, I have a degree in exercise science. I've ran uh, CrossFit gym, weightlifting team uh, for about maybe a little over 10 years now uh, with a lot of national qualifiers, international here and there. So a little bit of experience in the industry as well. Sweet. Awesome. Mike, Mike, you have a controversial study for us today. Yeah, the internet, so, the internet broke. Yeah, I actually at this point I rely on other people to tell me what's going on in the internet because <laughs> I don't have time to argue with Yahoo's most of the time. And if it's not posted directly on my wall or sent to me, I don't see it. I mean, hell, half the time that's stuff that's sent to me, I, <laughs> I don't see it anymore. Um. But the study was uh, published in uh, Current Biology. So this is a division of Cell Press. So very high-level journal. Uh, Very intricate study. I mean, tons of authors on it. The main author people may uh, recognize is uh, Herman Ponzer. He was the third author on this. Uh, First author is Vincent, I think it's Carew, C-A-R-E-A-U. Title is Energy Compensation and Adiposity in Humans. And supposedly from the internet, again, who knows, that the claim was resting metabolic rate could be decreased by up to 42%. And again, that's just a number I've heard as an actual rumor. Um, Yeah. So if you look at the study, and again, I need to read the study in a lot more in-depth again, so hopefully I'm not adding to the controversy in a bad way. Um, But they're just looking at correlations between uh, total daily energy expenditure, uh, different things looking at resting metabolic rate. And it's a 
they had two studies like this one and they had one other one Ponzer did uh, a couple weeks ago that the New York Times picked up that I think I answered like three or four different media requests about it and I'm not sure anyone in the media at first blush even read the study and so with these studies they're interesting because they're trying to make uh, mathematical correlations and again whenever you do that by definition, you have to use what is some of the averages. And that's useful on a general population level, but people who listen to this show are probably not general population, right? Mm -hmm. Most people, gen pop as a population in the US don't really exercise a lot. They're not lifting mm -hmm. heavy weights. They're probably not eating a ton of protein either. So one of the issues I have is extrapolations from different populations. Uh, this happens all the time, right? So people will read a crazy pathology that a mouse gets, and then they're like, oh, this is what may happen in humans. Mm -hmm. Like, But one, you're dealing with a pathology, not normal physiology or healthy physiology. And then two, you're dealing with an animal model. And most of the people making the claims have never done anything with animal, mo <laughs> animal models either. Um, so what I can tell from from this is it looks like there is some correlation and that energy expenditure and Ponzer has written a lot about this isn't completely linear. Right. So if we look at he's published other work on this, looking at neat and step count, uh, people generally think that, OK, if I just walk around more, I'm going to burn more calories. And that's mm -hmm. true up until a certain point. Uh, that point, from what I can interpret in the literature, is probably 15 to 20,000 steps a day, right? And this makes sense. So if you look at someone who gets 3,500 steps a day, pretty low, and they double that, and they go to 7,000 steps per day, that's pretty cool. They're probably going to see some benefit from that. If they double that again from 7,000 to 14,000, eh, probably see some benefit, but maybe not quite as much, even though they're technically walking a lot more. If they get to the upper end of 15 to 20,000, 25,000, yeah, they're still burning calories, but not at the same rate they were on the other end. And the, the constrained hypothesis from Ponzer would state that at some point that just flattens out, right? Mm. And this makes sense with exercise. Right? We can't keep doing an infinite amount of exercise and expect to recover and have everything go well. So the takeaway from those studies is that it's not linear in terms of your response. And that's kind of what we see uh, with this here, as best as I can interpret it. Um, and the other part, too, is I'm trying to figure out from this model if they really uh, correlated for muscle mass, um, because that's a big um, cofactor. And sometimes they'll look at that, but because a general population, someone with a lot of muscle mass, is technically an outlier in that population. Mm -hmm. It may not show up in the model <laughs> because yeah, that's they get tossed. Your model. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I think that's where some of the controversy came from. Uh, last point: if we look at other studies that have looked at resting metabolic rate, I did kind of a pretty in-depth literature review on this, and probably uh, like two years ago. My hypothesis going into it was that. Yeah, we can change resting metabolic rate, and if we lift more, we do more, it should probably go up quite a bit. And then if we just dramatically kill calories, does it really drop a lot? And what I found is, yeah, it does change, but really not as much as I thought it was going to. Um, there are some studies in anorexics where the lowest, I think, resting metabolic rate I could find was 850, 900 calories per day, and that's really low. But it's not like you can, on the low end, drive it to absolutely zero. And if you did, yeah. you'd be dead, right? Your yeah. your body at some point is going to do everything it can to conserve that number because you have to keep running, right? You're still upright. On the other end, there's probably only so much you can do to increase it unless you get into a huge amount of muscle mass. Uh, muscle itself does add to it, but not nearly as much as what people think. But again... That's an overly simplistic view because you're looking at what it is at a resting metabolic rate. Um, but you move around and you start walking and you get, say, you're like Phil running around chasing chickens and doing God knows mm -hmm. what for 15, 20,000 steps a day. You have to move all that muscle mass during that yeah. time. 
So the amount of energy expenditure that you have as a total, what's called total daily energy expenditure, is probably going to be higher, right? And if people don't believe this, just put a 40-pound weight vest on and try and walk around all day. Mm-hmm. You're like, wow. At first, you're like, this isn't too bad. But like hour three, you're like, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> this is like way harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, so, But I tell people, you know, go read the study. I think it's interesting. I'm going to go back through it again. But I, I think a lot of the mismatch is, you know, studies that are looking at a mathematical model to try to generalize a population they always are going to break down on an individual level, especially if you're one of the outliers from that population, right? By definition, you are not really included in that equation. So for you as an N of one individual, if you're the outlier, uh, it's not going to work so well. Yeah. No, this automatically makes me think of things like, uh, like me. I am purposely inefficient at cardiovascular activity. Yes. Um, and doing so, let's say I even took somebody my same size that was did a lot of cardiovascular activity and got very efficient at it. They would instantly like it kind of comes and bites you in the ass a bit. Yeah. <laughs> they would they would be more efficient at just daily moving around. Um, whereas like me telling somebody that do, does what I do to just. Like for cardio, just go hike, go take a walk. It actually does a shitload. You know? mm-hmm. It doesn't beat us up. We burn a lot of energy and things like that as a, a strength athlete. Um, and it's not, like you said, it's not your resting metabolic rate, but right. just moving my big ass around. Um, I'm really good at, at moving heavy things not many times. I'm very inefficient at moving myself. Over long distances <laughs> on purpose, but that could be a benefit to me. Like for me to get lean, it just happens. Spring rolls around. I, I'm more active around the farm. I just immediately cut 20 pounds yeah. without trying, you know? So yeah, yeah I, I've always, uh, the activity level up to a point and it's like, what's the average what's the average of the population that you look at? Because if you have, let's say you have a, let's say you go with only 200 pound individuals, right? And you don't equate for any kind of muscle mass whatsoever. Like the metabolic rate is not going to go too crazy one way or the other. But if you have somebody who's training, I would just put it in, in training terms in general, but in training and just the stuff they do throughout the day, actively is going to increase their you know expenditure more so than anyone else on that same body weight list right like so if you have a full like a whole population study with it and you don't equate for any of the muscle mass i don't think you'll really get like the the total idea of how much energy it takes to move a heavy body yeah yeah and that's i think the the issue is people have an over obsession with resting metabolic rate. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that is a big component. I mean, total daily and expenditure, it's probably like 50%. But then that gets into exactly what you guys are saying. Well, how much of that can you directly control? Not that much, right? Yeah. If, if you're adding 20 pounds and you're walking 15,000 steps a day, you're burning a lot more calories because you're moving that load constantly. Yes. But again, that's total daily energy expenditure and looking at movement. And to me, that's a much bigger part of the equation. And it's something you have, you know, virtually direct control over. And that to me is, as an intervention is a lot more useful. So yeah, I'm going to do things to try to keep as much muscle mass as possible. I don't want to see resting metabolic rate drop too far, but things that I change in clients, probably I get your guys' opinion on this too, is, you know, what's their training, what's their nutrition, and what's their step count? You know, yeah. at a super high level, I'd probably toss HRV into there to see what the cost of all of that is. That's going to, it's doable for most coaches, and it's going to give you a pretty damn accurate view for the most part. Yeah. And then, you know, we'll get into it more for the topic of the day. But, I mean, that comes into the case of, like, 
the, the the whole points of preserving muscle mass as we age and things like that. It goes well beyond metabolic rate. Yes. <laughs> and that's what, like you said, I think people just give the whole metabolic rate thing way too much weight. I mean, if me and my daughter, who's 100, I don't know, I'm going to guess here, 120 pounds. Like if we both just literally laid on the couch all day, our energy expenditure would be real close to the same, I'm guessing. Despite me weighing 140 pounds more than her. Uh, if we were just slugs, you know. So talking just basic living, my heart rate, breathing, brain function, you know, liver, organ function. You know, but you get us both just lightly moving around and I'm going to stomp her, you know, it's just just from moving my ass. So, yeah. Yeah. And my last part, too, and we've transitioned the topic of the day is, I mean, I have a very expensive metabolic card here, so I do crazy yeah. things for fun just to see. So about a month ago, I just did a resting metabolic rate test every day to see what it was. Now, granted, that's not going to be super accurate because I was still training. I didn't account for possible changes in macronutrient amount, blah, blah, blah. But it was, you know, 2,700 calories a day. Now, I know that's probably artificially inflated from training, potentially epoch, Mm -hmm. you know, everything else. But... You could also argue that that is almost more of a real world number because it was you know, plus or minus a couple hundred calories per day. So That's what I was going to ask. How much if, did it vary per day? Right. And if I'm doing the same things that I'm always doing, that's to me, that's probably from a practical standpoint, a pretty good snapshot. Now, from a research standpoint, when you have to pull in other people and try to get them at the same level as much as mm-hmm. possible... Eh, probably not so good, right? I want to standardize a few more of those things because I'm pulling in different groups of people and I don't want that variation. I want to make sure that it's as darn close to resting metabolic rate as possible. And again, I think that's where some of the confusion um, comes in. But I was actually kind of surprised that it was that high. I would have expected it to be a little bit uh, lower. Yeah. Before we go and talk about the topic of the day, I figure we better jump on this. The uh, 2021 Shaw Classic happened last weekend. Oh. Um, if anybody doesn't know, Brian created his own competition. And it seems to be taken off. And I think largely in part, it doesn't hurt that the Arnold's pretty much gone. And we don't know when it's coming back. So, oh, nothing but, for uh, this year for the Arnold? Last time I heard, they just like postponed it indefinitely oh, which is shit. weird which is yeah. weird because yeah like i was just in ohio and everything's open yeah so why he's not doing it i don't know but uh there are a lot of people not very happy about that but um did they think it's, it's too much of a risk to have to shut everything down at the last minute like last year I guess, which hell, at least I'd rather see them do that than cancel it like four days before, like they did last time, and screw right, all the international like, people. Yeah, so like, <laughs> hey man, we're gonna do it, but we're gonna give you sixty, ninety days notice if it's a go or no go or something like that. Yeah, because the last one it was horrible. Like oh. they are, like the international people were like already in town, and yeah, they're like, they were there. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, so it went on last weekend, and uh. uh Trey Mitchell ended up winning it. He beat Shaw. So Really? Yep, he ended up taking first. And they gave out good money. They gave out $100,000. Damn. So Trey took 21000 for taking first. But uh, two-day event. The only bad thing I heard was the feed was a little jacked up. and uh, But I think part of that, they said, was because it was in Estes Park, Colorado. Oh, yeah. Uh, and just getting a feed out of the mountains was not, not exactly easy. the easiest thing in the world. So, um, cause that's where they raised the money for this thing pretty much is mm-hmm. by selling, selling, uh, online spectators. So, hmm. but yeah, I only saw some clips from it, but I also saw the, uh, I think Shaw posted something about the feed. That was an issue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seemed like a, I think everyone's kind of waiting on cause Arnold was like the big, you know, uh, what strength symposium? What do you, what would yeah, you call it? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Guess. Yeah. Yeah. And all over the world, too. So, and I think, I mean, Arnold's obviously kind of going on this other 
he's going on like the pandemic yep. on one side of it, obviously. And so everyone's kind of waiting. And that was like a, I mean, how big was that across the world? I mean, obviously here in, in Ohio or in the U S in Ohio, but they had locations in what Europe and South Africa? America. And yeah, I think there's one in yeah. South America and Africa and Australia, I think Australia too, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, and those are all, kind of in the weeds right now I, yeah. I would guess they're at least a year out from any more of those so i mean because what you'd be looking at march right that's the yeah. normal yeah. normal time frame so yeah i hadn't heard anything but i also doesn't seem because obviously weightlifting that's one of the, the bigger meets for us is mm-hmm. at the arnold so who knows i'm gonna look up right now i haven't even looked but last time i was on the site it just it was just uh indefinitely postponed Oh, now it's saying Columbus, Ohio, September 25th, which is odd. September 25th? I, that's like yeah. right around the corner. Yeah. Oh, and I've heard nothing about it. So uh, For this we'll year? That's what it says, September 25th, 2021. Um, last oh, time I wow. went on the side, it just said postponed until further notice. So Yeah, because oh, the, the handful of people I know who were waiting for invites to see if they qualified or not haven't heard dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we'll see if and who knows what they're doing with it up. either because yeah. they they could I mean obviously they're gonna run it you know a lot <laughs> safer than they normally do in terms of like growing it but what they're gonna do with the actual competition size and the how many tickets they sell yeah so well I'm just I mean there's a lot I mean it's it's kind of open now I mean Shaw Shaw came in at the right time like it's such an open market right now because the arnold's gonna leave a gap and there's still kind of this you know we'll call it thirst for strength stuff training mm-hmm. stuff yeah so well yeah, yeah i'm looking on here i don't even see all i see is like the arnold classic you go to event info and it just says like arnold classic classic physique fitness i don't see strongman i don't see any of that on here yeah it must just huh. be bodybuilding uh, stuff that i think doing. it must just be bodybuilding they're doing it's probably just a small crowd and um but yeah, I mean that was like, I would argue the Arnold, as far as strongman went, even took over world strongest man. Yeah, uh, I mean especially from a spectator standpoint. Yeah, I mean, just from location, accessibility, and all that. Yeah, and it was you know it was big money. It was the heavier event. It was you know it drew it drew a lot of athletes. Yeah. So. And, but so yeah, it's good to see something huh. else coming up. I mean, and like like Darrell just said, I think he came in right place, right time. Uh, yeah. So, and especially you start handing out money like that. I mean, I wouldn't mind going and taking home twenty one thousand dollars for a competition for over two days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> especially when you know that you're not, you don't have any other comps coming up for a while. You know, it's yeah. probably not interfering with anything else. Yeah. And I mean, it looks like he drew most of the larger names. I mean, oddly enough, some of the people this... that competed. Oh, Shaw, JF, Karen, Evan Singleton. Bobby Thompson, Constantine, a lot of them I just can't even say. Yeah. Zadrunas came in and lifted. Savickas, oh, he did. Very well, cool. He took 12th. Uh, Jerry Pritchett. Uh, yep. So, huh. I mean, a few guys backed out last minute because of injury. Mm. So, I know Oberst and somebody else, like, backed out the week before. And oh. then they had, they had a fill-in spot for them. But, uh yeah, and I mean, like I said, the only negative I heard about was the feed, but they seemed to have a good following. People were excited about it. Uh, I don't know what they had. Looking at the pictures, I don't think it was much spectator-wise. Yeah. Um, but again, it was just some little conference hall in Estes Park, Colorado. So, And it's a second-year event. You can't expect them to be yeah. the size of the Arnold after a year. No, and so. especially if you know he's footing up the bill, it would make more sense from a monetary standpoint if you can leverage the online and then just get a locale that you don't have to worry about handling thousands of spectators for year one or two until you can know about what you're going to get and then you can invest more and you have an idea of crowd size etc well and even trying to collect sponsors you got to have something before sponsors want to jump on board yep um there's uh, the value of the honor at least the advantage of the arnold is you had a a, a blend of all the strength sports so you can kind of artificially boost the the financials just by having let's say you have weightlifting powerlifting 
strongman and then crowds for each, right? Yeah. And so if you at least start with just strongman and then, I mean, preferably, I don't know that Shaw would do this or if that's what his interest is. Oh, and CrossFit, I'll leave that out. But yeah. um, being able to combine a few kind of gives you a, a bigger purse for the total value. So if somebody can actually fill that space where the Arnold is going to leave it, it looks like at least for a year. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. No, no, that was definitely the, I mean, that's why the Arnold took over the Olympia and then the Olympia was playing catch up. They were trying to add on other events um, because there wasn't another thing that had everything. And it was great. That was the beautiful thing about the Arnold. You had everything in one house. So, but yeah, I know there's some sponsors who have left the Arnold, so maybe they're looking for another event to sponsor. Potentially. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yep. But anyways, I figured that was worth mentioning. We will no, take, a, cool. uh, take a short break and then we're going to come back and why should we hang on the muscle mass as we age will be the topic. www.jimwindler.com Anybody that doesn't know it, I'm going to use this minute here to uh, give a shameless plug to my friend. Um, Jim has always been an upstanding person in the field. One of the few people I think you can trust. Uh, He's just no bullshit, always ready to go. And Jim just put out a new knee sleeve, the 531 athlete knee sleeve. Uh, I know he went through a bunch of testing, things like that. He wanted to put out a great product at a better price than anybody else. So... They just came out this week. If you get a chance, check them out. Like I said, www.jimwindler.com. Five through one athlete knee sleeves. Um, I've been wearing them myself on my warm-up sets and things like that. So give them a check. All right, thanks. All right, everybody, we are back. And like we talked about at the beginning of the show, Mike had the study. And we're going to talk about... uh, Let's dig deeper into, you know, yes, having muscle mass will raise boost your metabolic rate resting and not resting but you know what are the other potential benefits why do we want to hold on to muscle mass as we age so you want to kick us off mike yeah i mean if we look at some of the scandinavian research which is a little bit associative the the top general three things that come out are lower body strength muscle mass you know those are, are kind of sort of combined a lot of that has to do with just being functional, right? You got to mm-hmm. down to take a shit. You got to stand up. You got to get up the stairs. If you fall over, you hopefully need to get back up, right? We could look at incidents of hip fracture. More mm-hmm. muscle you have, less likely you are to take a catastrophic fall. And another thing people forget too is that, you know, muscle potentially may serve as a little bit of a protective padding. If you do take a bad crash, mm-hmm. not having any. Um, the other one is uh, aerobic uh, capacity or VO2 max. So how fit is your aerobic system, cardiovascular health? Uh, VO2 max is a good marker for that. And the last one that's associated is uh, grip strength. And you can debate if grip strength is then just a marker of overall full body strength, which I would say probably is from those studies. Um, I haven't seen sort of a two-way street study on that meaning that if you train grip strength, does that increase your longevity? My hypothesis would be probably yes. I mean, you guys can probably speak to this too. I don't know of any very strong people that have a weak grip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just, I, they may exist. But I haven't met one of them yet. So yeah. I think that is a good marker for overall muscle mass. So I think the big part there is just looking at, you know, function and muscle mass is a big marker for that. Yeah, no, I mean, and the first the first ones I come to are just several things I've dealt with. Um, it's inevitable in your life you are going to get something is going to try and kill you. Oh yeah, <laughs> all of us, <laughs> whether it's sickness and injury and accident. And from what I've seen across the board is and heard from physicians and and you know surgeons and you know the stronger the person comes into that physically, the greater chances they have of pulling out at the end um and even accidents you know i know two people like windler himself and you know my buddy dow both got in catastrophic accidents and the doctors told them the reason you're here is because you were big and strong 
<laughs> I mean, it just held them together. Now, yes, there's a point in diminishing returns. Um, like being Ronnie Coleman size isn't going to help you live a long life. Um, yeah, it's an inverted U. Yeah, it just, you know, the benefits start, you know, outweighing. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's also how, number one, how you get there. Like, uh, yeah. How you get to that muscle mass, so to speak. And then you have, so a lot of it is just the social connection that people have with muscle mass or strength training in general. Like, I think the overall, like, societal thought of training or your body is that it's like a, a battery. And if you just run it down fast, like, the, the more you do, the faster you run it down to zero. I mean, same is true with, like, strength training and all that. But, like, just flipping that to your tendons, ligaments, bone structure, all are supported by just strength training in general, but also muscle mass. Mm-hmm. It's never it never ends up being a total weakness depending on how you get there. For example, like the Ronnie Coleman, and even him. I mean, he got to his muscle mass, and people would argue sometimes that he went too heavy too often to get there, yeah. whereas they would suggest some in that circle would suggest that he could have done similar things with lighter weights, which I don't know if that's true or not. But, I mean, how you get there is also important. But there's there's never a, a downside to being in shape. I mean, you could also be the hottest grandma and grandpa in mean, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we've talked about that numerous times. I don't care who you are. If you're a powerlifter, strong man, at, at some level you care what you look like. I mean, yeah. you just do. It's natural. But no, and then you get into bone density and everything else like that, which of course we know goes away as we age, and we can combat that just by skeletal loading largely um that's like if you look at my x-ray versus the x-ray of somebody who does not train my bones are glowing white you know (laughs) and there's a lot more calcium and things like that and it's just things that we do as we age fighting off you know uh bone wasting and you know now there's a big push for women to strength train more due to that i mean largely due to you know to combat their bones getting weak and things like that. So yeah, it's a, uh, like I said, it's an, it's a no lose situation unless like we talked about anytime. I mean, you take things to the extreme and like, I know I'm paying, um, I'm paying a price now and later in life for squatting and deadlifting 700 plus pounds all the time. You know, th- that's not where you need to go. If your importance is, is, you know, being a strong grandpa that's 80 years old and still in good shape i'm i'm probably going to be wrecked (laughs) at 80 but at the same time i'll even with the stuff i got going on probably compared to the average 80 year old if i make it that far i'll probably still be in pretty good shape you know just due to years of being strong you know so i mean there's a give and take there you know will i be in pain and stuff yeah my bones are going to be all jacked up and but i have to guess I'll still be fairly mobile and able. I don't know. We'll see. So, What do you guys think is like a number, maybe because I'm getting older, I think more about this. What do you think are numbers for like, let's just say squat bench deadlift of a good numbers that you would want to maintain as you get older, right? Obviously oh. if you're starting with a higher number, you're going to be, better off but like any thoughts on that and i know it's just a completely thought experiment i haven't seen any data on this i actually put forward well for us i I just call it the man and woman card but Mm -hmm. put forward like an actual what i call like the baseline right so you have you had grades for what i would call zero like you're just alive and functioning (laughs) there's nothing there's nothing, there's no barrier to your movement. Like you're not prevented from doing anything. And the further you move up to on squat, I just, I had squat, pull up, weighted pull up, uh, deadlift and uh, a mile run, right? There you go. Those are good. The further you move up to, let's say at, at my weight, like 220, if I could, you know, squat 500, 
uh, these are just throwing the numbers out. I don't know, remember the men and women card numbers off the top of my head, but squat 500, I could do uh, 10 to 15 pull-ups and, you know, a weighted pull-up with at least a 24 or 32 and deadlifts, you know, mid 500s and make, you know, get a mile in under an eight minutes. Like I'm not by any stretch, I'm not athletic in any sport related, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm not a good power lifter. Those aren't great weightlifting numbers. Those aren't, that's just like the, the top end of like your quote unquote prime. Certainly you can go further, but if you get into that, you know, 400 plus range as a guy, at least, mm-hmm. you know, from most, you know, 185 to 205, like that kind of weight range, you know, you can deadlift 500. I mean, in terms of just top end athleticism without, like going past that, I feel like is where you're getting into, I'm competing. Like you've kind of signed yeah. up, like I'm yeah. competing past 500. I know 600 is like the big deadlift and powerlifting. Like once you're, you kind of go from 500 to 600, which is expensive, like it's going to cost you a lot to go from five mm-hmm. to six. Going from four to five isn't crazy and three to mm-hmm. four is nothing. But going from five to six, that's like when you really signed up to like yeah. essentially push the limit, so to speak, of your of your body. You're letting other things fall to the wayside. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, running or let's say doing a, a 600 deadlift and then running a six minute mile, like those two things probably aren't going to exist together. <laughs> <laughs> but deadlifting 500 and running a six, like that's probably those two things could probably exist together. Yeah. Or squatting 500 and whatever the, I don't know, I've seen a bunch of CrossFit type people doing that. It's the 500 and five minute mile. So, yeah. For a squat though, squat 500, run a five minute mile. Like those two things, it'll take a lot of, like it's hard, it'll take a lot of training, but they can exist together. But once you kind of cross that barrier, it's kind of where I feel like you've signed up, like I'm going to compete in XYZ sport. Yeah. Yeah, and then that's a hard question. I mean, the, the like, what age are we talking about? You know, there's well, a big the thing, difference right? in between like the average 30 year old and the average 80 year old. Um, and like from going out and visiting Dave and stuff like that, who's he has two hip replacements now and things like that. And I think a smart one he's doing is just uh, his big push is to still move fast. Mm-hmm. It's not so much on the weight; it's moving it fast. And, uh, which we all know that's something that we lose, you know, oh, that's yeah. a big part of what we lose as we get older. It's just that ability to move quickly through space. And I think that gets more important as we age. Like I know my time is going to come, you know, I can't expect to go squat 700 plus pounds every week until I'm 80. There's going to be a time where I have to make that shift. And that's the shift I'll probably make is, and I don't know, let's say, God, if I'm 70 and I can't squat. 225 for some fast reps i think if i'm doing that at 80 that's good yeah that's that's very good that's really good so i mean most people at 80 can't squat (laughs) exactly so (laughs) if i can do some form of it and that's that's a big one is i think people don't give them they don't give themselves permission to like just do some kind of squat whatever one doesn't hurt you you know (laughs) And like people will just give up. They're like, well, I can't do a back squat, so I'm just done. Let's figure something out you can do. Let's do yeah. frickin' lunges. Let's do bull split squats. Let's, you know, give yourself permission to win at something, man. And and help yourself as you age. So Yeah. I mean, That's my one thing I've looked not- at more too is speed. You know, yeah. like at you know, probably not gonna have a fifty thousand dollar tiny device like my buddy Caldeeds does it'll do yeah. you know heavy eccentrics and measure everything and ballistics and all that kind of stuff. But you know maybe you know old school stuff like um, blanking on it, but like the inertia trainers, you know those mm-hmm. types of things, where if you're using like an eccentrics type box and you get that wheel uh, spinning like flywheel training, man, trying to resist that eccentric motion and then try to rapidly change direction and accelerate, yeah. it's it's hard, but it's also something you can do in a relatively safe manner, right? Mm-hmm. You can do it as like a like a belt squat type setup. So that's something I think about more yeah. as I'm getting older of just 
a, you know, one or two sessions of just a few exercises of something like that, where mm-hmm. the speed component is kind of already there for you too, in addition to moving weights and maybe accommodating resistance also. Yeah. My question would be more on the, what's the degradation of strength over, over that period. Let's say you can, you can maintain your strength through, well, just, I mean, maybe what mid forties, early fifties, right? Like you can be a pretty good, you can be pretty strong through that time frame, right? Mm-hmm. From that point on, what's that? What's the? Is it the degradation, or so if you start with 405 and you, you know, degrade down to 315, what's the rate of degradation on your strength versus if you're at like Phil in the 700 range? Is it is the slope just steeper? Like, are you gonna dive quickly down to 315? Mm-hmm. Or do you go, do you pass through 600, then 500, then 400? Yeah. That would be where I struggle on the, like, just kind of playing around with lifetime health numbers is, like, you have to sell a lot to get, like like I said, I'll put 500. That's my number. Like, you have to start throwing stuff out of the boat to get to that, like, go from 500 to 600 on deadlift per se. Yeah. So what... But is it worth it if the degradation is the same rate, right? So if you push the 500 and you're still going to have that same slope, well, it'd be better to push the 600 while you can, and then you'll you're you'll hang on to a bunch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that yeah, better or worse? Yeah, let's. I mean, like looking at this paper from Harvard, like the average man will lose 30% of his muscle mass in his life. So it, does that stay the same? Like, let's say one guy has 200 pounds of lean muscle and one guy has 150. Will they both lose that? If so, then the argument can be made, like, you better push. Let's get as much as we can by 30 and then let's worry about other stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So when you lose that 30%, you know, now you're down to 160 or whatever it is, you know, and you you keep that. I have to think, too, like, just because I've seen it in life and I can't tell you what's going to happen to me at 70. But in my 40s, at least, it doesn't take a lot. Like, I don't have to train that heavy to hang on to the strength. Like, I don't need to constantly go 700. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I'm going 700 all the time is because I want 800. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. at some point, I'm going to stop chasing that bigger number and just look to, you know, not go backwards. And yeah. to do that, I, I really think you can you can do that with without going to 90 and 80 percent you know if you just move things quickly and you know if you ever need to pull out of the ability it's there uh without the risk of going there all the time especially as we age and tendons change and ligaments change but but then at least you have that to fall on uh you know let's say i lose you know i can deadlift 700 now It'd be awesome. By the time I'm 80, if I can still do 405, I'd be stoked. Yeah. You know, that would probably wreck me. Like I would probably for a month, I would probably regret it, but hell, I still have that ability if I need it, you know, type of thing. Uh, so you gotta let your grandkids know what's up. Exactly. (laughs) That's like when I had Odin, it's like, Oh my God, I'm going to be like 58 when he's 18. (laughs) <laughs> and i know at some point this boy's gonna come after me and test me he's like i gotta, I gotta keep in shape <laughs> so uh, yeah. i mean in my head i don't have any data on this is i used to think like 50s would be the transition point where you're not thinking about building so much you're thinking about maintaining uh, but now I'm like, yeah, some of the data would suggest maybe 60s, 65, yeah. later 60s. Um, and then it's like, like you said, Phil, and even you said the same thing, Darrell, is that do you stay with the mindset of trying to build, but being realistic with what the outcome is? And then also at what point, like in your case, Phil, does the lifting a bigger weight, even if you can do it, does the risk outweigh the reward, right? Yes. Because if you're deadlifting 700 versus 400, 
there's a much greater potential of some shit to go sideways with 700 than 400. Yes. Right. And do you want to take that risk when you're older, knowing that the recovery from it is going to be a lot harder? So much longer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then it comes down to like what you had in your book. Like I've trained 70 year olds, 70 plus year olds, and we made great progress. Yeah. But it was because their their bucket was only 10% full to start with. Yeah, they're starting. (laughs) They started from, you know, if you're 70 and still just suck physically, you can get better. Oh, definitely. Now, now if you're coming into your 70s from a past of being a strength athlete, an elite strength athlete, you have to expect, like, your fight now is to not go backwards. Mm -hmm. You know, if you were in that 1% of the genetic or the elite or whatever, you're just not going to make progress when you're 70. You know, my goal is to not go backwards. So it depends on the individual too, and what they're what they're starting with. So uh, yeah, because we've it, all seen I, individuals who who can't let go of what they did in the past. Oh yeah, and they just keep destroying themselves. <laughs> <laughs> they keep trying to do it, and that's you know, and that's like with me. Like my big thing, I only compete once a year, but it's like I'm trying to do something new. And so far, I've been able to do that. And it's like, well, I like it'll be depressing to me to like when I go into a meet and just like, oh, I did 80 percent of what I used to. It's probably mm-hmm. time to. Quit. <laughs> you know? It's like, yeah. why? Why are you even doing it? <laughs> or like you, know, you trained hard to get that 80 percent. Yeah. And I yeah. just but I, like I went through a 16 week training program to do 80 percent of what I once <laughs> did. It's like, oh, come on. Is it even worth it? At that point, it's just like it's just coach and not suck at life. Yeah, you know, or find something new, you know, take up something that I sucked at because of how strong I was. Yeah. And now I can win because yeah. it's something totally out of my, you know, not you saying an ultra marathon runner. Yeah, here. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I know Dave Tate's talked about that, too. I know you spent more time with him, but I think his impression, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that he doesn't do a lot of the, the power lifts anymore because he knows he's not going to eclipse his other numbers and the cost for that is probably a little bit too high, but he can still compete on, you know, reps and different weights and different exercises and different things that probably also mentally he can handle without feeling like he's going to destroy himself. Yeah. And that comes down to the, like if you're a competitive type person, you're a competitive athlete. That's always going to be in you. Yeah. Um. You just have to find new avenues for it because if you just keep going to the same avenue, unless you're Tom Brady and you're just fucking crazy, <laughs> uh, <laughs> not all of us can just do that for that many years. You know, it's just find something new and that's okay. Like, like I was just visiting when I visited Dave Tate, I was visiting Winler and mm-hmm. he's totally changed his training, but he's the happiest I've seen him in a long time. Yeah, that's awesome. Because he gave himself permission to just, I don't need to squat and deadlift. I'm going to do this other shit, and I'm going to get good at it. And now I feel good. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, move on. to Go to that next chapter. It's okay. And But at the same time, like, it was the first time he's ever told me, he's like, fucking do this as long as you can. <laughs> because I miss it. You know, he's like, yeah. if you're still squatting seven something, just keep doing it until you just can't. Because you're gonna, you're going to miss it. So as long as you can still do it at a high level, keep going, man. Uh, but be ready to change that page and just shoot for something else. There's a thousand different goals out there. More than, you know, whatever. There's more than that. It's, it's okay to find something else. But Yeah. And last component I would add, too, which we won't have time to talk about, but learning other skill sets in addition to things that add more muscle, possibly metabolic health from a uh, – just a brain standpoint, you know, obviously I'm biased to kiteboarding and, you know, Mm -hmm. doing things where you have to be more, just move faster and be reactive. And I don't even care what that is. Like go play tennis, volleyball, mountain bike, kiteboard, surf, like just do some other recreational thing. I think for just overall health, movement, enjoyment, like you're talking about Darrell, like social, you know, people to hang out with. I, cause I think, uh, I've seen a few people in strength sports that get very just stuck on that area and they're already at like the 95th percentile, mm-hmm. right? It's like, you would just be better to to go learn to play tennis for a while, you know, or yep. just 
do something else for recreation that's completely different movement patterns, completely different hand-eye coordination, movement. Mm -hmm. And I think that'll serve you quite well for a long period of time. Yeah. Cool. Yep. So I think we covered that. Well, Drell, thank you. This is Drell's yeah, first week joining us. He's going to be on with us a lot more. Um, Thanks for having me. Lonnie will be popping in and out like we talked about. We're not totally sure on that yet, but uh, I want to thank everybody for still tuning in to us as we do go through all these changes, and uh, we will see you next week. See you next week. Uh, stop recording.